You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Thursday the 9th of March. It's grim again here in, in TW11, barely getting beyond two or three degrees and sleet and rain and a bit of snow mixed in this morning as well. It is hammering down at Cheltenham as we speak ahead of next week. And at Sandown Park, there is a little bit of doubt as to whether Saturday's Betfair Imperial Cup fixture will be safe. At this stage, Clark of the Course Andrew Cooper has told the British Horse Racing Authority's admin site the following. Yesterday's snow and rain has left the course currently borderline raceable in places. Downhill section, railway section of hurdles course, home straight crossover and around second last chase fence will monitor conditions during Thursday, find best possible racing lines and update as necessary. If it does go ahead, there will be several runners across the card from multiple champion trainer Paul Nichols, who talks to me about them later in the program. He also talks about his Cheltenham horses, of course, and he gives a very positive bulletin about Brave Man's game, who schooled this morning the Cheltenham Gold Cup fancy. And he also spoke of one horse who he felt, amongst his handicappers, just might have a few pounds up his sleeve. That's not all we've got for you this morning. I'll be talking to the most successful amateur rider at the festival of all time, Jamie Codd. Patrick Mullins might be catching him fast, but Codd has 10 wins to his name and some legendary ones as well upon which we reflect. He also looks forward to his book of rides this year, which includes one that might surprise you in the Fox Hunters. That's to come in a little while. But first of all, the application of the new whip regulations has raised an eyebrow again. Now, at first glance, the British Horse Racing Authority will be pretty pleased with this week's results because the number of offences has gone from 20 to 12 to 9 in the three initial weeks post the betting in period. So if that trend continues, then there will be some quantifiable measure of success. However, Brian Hughes, the multiple champion jockey, has received a four-day suspension for use of the whip above shoulder height. That's been the subject of a lot of contention since this started. He used the whip just once on a horse called Minella Plus at Doncaster last weekend, just after the third last flight of hurdles. And the man for whom Brian rides the most winners, Donald McCain, took to social media last night to express his strong reservations. And I caught up with him earlier today, and this is what he had to say. I'm just having a... Nick, I don't know where we're going anymore. I mean, this is... I was absolutely flabbergasted at, at Doncaster on Saturday. I was sat in the waiting room waiting for Saddle and Brian came out. I'd stood down by the last for the race where it happened. Um, the horse wasn't going up the straight, so he looked after him and, and coasted home um, and came out and told me he got four days. And then when I watched it, because I'm trying to support the whip rules, truthfully... Um, when I watched it, I couldn't believe my eyes. I mean, the the, the 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 man who doesn't doesn't get whip offences has give a horse one smack, and um, and put his stick down and looked after him, and got four days. And some people are telling me that the the the, the offence doesn't doesn't stack up to the penalty and that sort of stuff. But in my eyes, there is no offence at all. 
you know, we're talking about perception. I'd beg anybody to watch the race on on Saturday and think that Brian Hughes has done anything but be kind to this horse, you know. Um, you said you were broadly supportive of the of the whip rules, and actually, in your in your tweet last night, which which was kind of a, a little extended paragraph that you you put on a on a tweet, you you were quite clear that you you were you were in favour of, of 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 quite a lot of the measures. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of been involved in this for a lot of years because many many years ago, in my ex stable jockey, we we ended up in meetings with the the BHA and and so on, telling us that we need to. Um, settle down with how the whips used, but my argument will. I said disqualify them until we're doing something wrong. Disqualify them, and they said told me that then would never happen. But um, where we are now, I, I, I find it's all been overegged a bit. I think it could have been made simpler. I don't have a problem. I've been on the wrong end of situations where a jockey's hit my horse six or seven times, and the winners hit it sixteen, eighteen. And it leaves a very sour taste or whatever. So I, I would have thought it would self-govern itself, to be honest. If the maximum was so many and horses were disqualified or thrown out afterwards, say it was six, nobody had hit one more than four, not if they had any sense. You know, it, it would sort itself out. But yet again, it seems there's grey areas and so on. But that's that's a, that's that's another thing, truthfully. I, this this is a completely different vision to me, this, this um, situation with Brian on Saturday, because... I can't think of anybody giving a horse a more caring ride and to get four days for it is ridiculous. It's um, it's something of a head scratcher to say the very least. I've just gone back and back and watched it myself uh, again. Uh, on to on to slightly happier matters. Uh, you said last week in an interview that you didn't think you'd have much representation at all at uh, at Cheltenham. Is that still the case? Yeah, yeah. I have a couple of entries and so on, but um, um, that would depend on whether there might be a horse having a run somewhere along the line. Um, one of them ran for the same money at, at Kelso the other day and so on. But no, we will have a big old team for Aintree, but very, very little for Cheltenham. And was that was that just a deliberate policy from the from the beginning of the season that, that Aintree was where you were going to land up with, with the good ones? Um, Training in the north of England. My, my owners, a lot of my owners are from, from, from the northwest and so on. And um, they've grown up wanting runs at Aintree. You know, I'm, I'm not... I'll start ranting again in a minute. I, 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 some of them aren't in love with the experience of Cheltenham and that sort of stuff. And 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 for the horses going forward and the type of horses they are and where they are, they're they're, they're much keener to go to entry. So that's what we'll do. All right, that was Donald McCain. I had resolved today, as I welcome in Lee Mosthead, senior writer from the Racing Post, not to lead with this again, uh, but. Uh, I, I was left with little choice, really, Lee, and it looks as though Brian Hughes might appeal this ban as well. This is going to be an interesting test, I think. Yeah, it's actually I think it's a fascinating test case, this, Nick, because I suspect it will be the first whip infringement whereby people who have been supportive of the whip rules, both the reasons behind their introduction and then the, the penalties that have been um, brought in for offences might well be thinking, I'm not so sure about this one. There is no doubt that that hit does go above shoulder height, but it was one strike. The horse then makes a bad mistake at the second last flight. And not surprisingly, Brian starts to therefore thereby ease off. Just one other interesting thing on this one, Nick, 
in many ways, this particular offence is not only a, a good test case for where we sit uh, in, in terms of principles and ethics with these new rules, but it's also a good example of how the rules have developed. So before the the, the steering group um, started looking at the uh, the whip and the old rules were in place, what Brian Hughes did at Doncaster would have incurred no offence whatsoever because for use of the, the whip above shoulder height, you previously had to use the whip twice for it, to, for it to count as a breach. When the original revisions to the rules were published, that two strikes came down to one strike, but the offence only merited two days. Yep. Then, when the rules were revised again as a result yep. of the, the forehand ban going, that was increased to four days. So what a few months ago would have been zero days now gets four days and to say i think donald is correct in that there will be people who say i support these whip rules but i feel uncomfortable that brian Hughes is getting four days for one strike that was deemed to be uh outside of what he's allowed lee i really i really don't don't want to spend the rest of this podcast banging on about this but i i one final thought really for the moment on this particular incident is that Having sat through however many months of of consultation on this, uh, the, somewhere between the end of that consultation at the back end of last summer and the implementation of the new regulations, a, a gap a gap has appeared in certain instances between you know, what the intention of that consultation was and the the practical application of it. And I think this is probably the the biggest biggest example of that. Anyway, we must move on. We must move on because Cheltenham is, is just around the corner. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome Jamie Codd to the show, who's the leading amateur rider ever at the Cheltenham Festival with, with 10 victories and some truly memorable ones at that. And Jamie doubles up as not only a, an unbelievably successful uh, amateur rider, a point-to-point -point rider of over 900 winners in, in that discipline as well, but also the Tattersalls Cheltenham representative. We're going to canter through this year's rides and some memories in a few moments' time, but let's lead on this on this sale because it underpins quite a lot of, of the way that you've been successful over the years, Jamie. It takes place on, on Thursday evening and it's produced Jerry Collon, Brave Man's Gamer, who we'll be speaking about later, Love Envoy in recent seasons, and it just exhibits the strength of, of Irish point of pointing it's been a it's been a major game changer the the, the boutique sale a sale of horses with with forming irish points hasn't it you know it's 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 become an industry in itself now um you know these these, these point to point boutique sales um you know i suppose 15 years ago a lot of a lot of trade would have been done at home uh private sales uh and then I'd say in the last 10 years on the, on the back of um, the store market being kind of more dominated by, uh, say, the, the Mom Beggs, the Colin Bowes, the Dennis Murphys, um, the boutique sales have just have gone from strength to strength. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of allowing those guys to bring their horses to UK and, and, and sell to the UK market and, and it's they're performing very, very well. But when I started, I suppose we were uh, boom time. Uh, there wasn't as much emphasis on selling horses uh, when I kind of started point of pointing. But gradually, I, I would say maybe from around 2010, you could just see a, a gentle change. But maybe from around 2015, 
the quality that the, the, these guys are buying in the store sales has just gone up and up and up and it's it's at an all-time high now I think and uh, you know the quality of horse that's coming out of the point of point field now is it's it's outstanding it's um, you know when you have those horses that you mentioned Brave Man's Game um, Jerry Cologne and Love Envoy you know coming out of the point of point field selling it at the Cheltenham Festival sale over the last couple of years and then being able to run in grade ones at Cheltenham. That's that's the goal. And that's, I don't know whether it was by luck or, or, or what, that these guys spotted a, 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 you know, a niche in the market for it. But they spotted it and they went after it. And it, it's it's come off for them in a big way. Uh, and Jamie, you've got so many great personal memories of, of wins at the Cheltenham Festival. There's one that stands out to me. I, I, I won't give it away. If there's one that you can take to your desert island, which would it be? Um, look at your first one. Your first Cheltenham winner is always is always a good one. But I, I think I think possibly the Wednesday where Fiona and um, Cause of Causes won the cross country and Fiona won the bumper, right? That, that was... That was a magic day for an amateur to have two winners on the same day uh, in professional races. It was just, it was a massive day. My family were there. Um, but look, at it, all the Cheltenham winners are special, but that was just, that was a massive day for me, for my profile. Um, you know, it, 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 was, it was a huge day. Can I put a vote in for character building, please? <laughs> you can. <laughs> you saw... Hang on, that's now that is now going back to two thousand and nine ish, I think. So we're we're, we're a fair few. Years you still haven't moved, have you? Sorry, you you still haven't moved. You, you... <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. It just uh, I got a lot of advice that day. Uh, Dennis O'Regan was um, instrumental in that bit of advice, and 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 John Quinn as well. But uh, yeah, it was it, look at it was just there was no pressure on it. He he was a he, he was a big price. Um, you know, when when you're told to go out there and enjoy yourself and and you know, ride them for a place and anything more than that is is a bonus. So, you know, it just everything just worked that day. Um, just the passage around, came down the hill well, and then to be absolutely cantering, going to the last fence, it was yeah, it was great. It was a great day. It, it's it's actually interesting. It just struck me. You've been involved in in like a couple of revolutions, really, in in, in sort of festival history. One of them, which is we were just talking about, you know, the the involvement with the with the point of pointing and the the sort of way the games changed in terms of the production of horses. And the other one, of course, is is Gordon Elliott, uh, who who has become one of the great modern forces of of training Cheltenham Festival winners. Um, you're going to get on a good few from this year, I'd say. Uh, the, the National Hunt Chase is thinning out a little bit. Do you think you're going to still be on Chemical Energy? When I saw him win in October, I thought, well, that wins the that wins the National Hunt Chase. Yeah, look, I I, I think so. Um, you know, he was impressive there. He's, he's course form around Cheltenham before Christmas, uh, beating Maller Mission by a long way. So, you know, he, he had a break then over the winter and he came back and he had a prep run in, in Nace. Uh, just got a little bit tired from the back of the second last so you know he, he seems to be in good form um, love the ground to stay drying but look at ultimately this race is, is going to be um, determined by Gaylard de Menil really uh, you know he's he looks to be the outstanding performer in it but look at it, it, we, he has to be taken on you have to always take on the favourite so if, if there is a horse to take it on hopefully it'll be chemical energy um, 
yeah. And if it, if it if it got really testing and chemical energy chance was compromised, would you would you throw Manella Crooner into the mix? Might you get on him? Yeah, you could definitely. Um, you know, he he probably might handle a bit of softer ground a bit better, like. Uh, but he he does want a bit of nicer ground as well. Like he performed very well uh, last year in the Albert Bartlett, I'm I'm sure. So you know there are two horses that kind of want a bit of nicer ground. Um, so look at I I I'm just hoping that there's not too much rain. Um, now better days ahead is it looks like the horse you might you might ride in the in the bumper. It, quite impressive when he he came back at Christmas time and defeated a a horse of, of, of Rich Richie's called Chapeau de Soleil. Um, is, is he where where you're edging at the moment, or where Gordon is is nudging you towards? Uh, yeah, look at there's there's a there's a couple of horses in the mix there. Um, I'd say Gordon is going to probably run five in a this year. He he usually only only maybe has one or two, but. Uh, we we've a kind of a a bunch of horses. I think the bumper form this year, Nick, in, in general. I don't think anybody really knows where they're at. Um, you know, Willie has loads of bumper horses, but I don't know has he nailed down his number one. Uh, and we're a little bit in the same boat. They've all won bumpers, and um, you know, we want to see where we're at. But we've another kind of a maybe one that I might sit on is no time to wait. Um, very very impressive in a, in a bumper in Down Royal. He won by fifteen lengths, and like he definitely comes into the mix. So I think I think over the weekend now, Gordon is going to maybe give them a bit of work and, and decide and and um, uh, and see where we're at. All right, Dunboyne looks the one in the in the Kim Muir, doesn't he? He's he's not had that much mileage for a for an eight year old. He's he's coming into the race in in good form. Has he got anything up his sleeve or not? Um. Yeah, look at he could. He could. He he's his run in the Tiestes this year was was really really good. Um, he's one actually we want rain for. <laughs> so it's you know you're you're kind of going different different grounds for every day if you could. But um, he does appreciate a good digging it. Uh, handled Gorn's very deep testing ground very well. Uh, you know to be just touched off. Sam Sam Ewing gave him a fantastic ride. So. Um, I think if, if if the rain came and Thursday turned anyway soft, you know he, he he definitely has a chance. Now I'm I'm working on the basis that you'll be on Galvin in the in the cross country, but I know you don't want to take anything for take anything for granted. You are in a pretty good position to know whether you think that he would beat Dell to work in, in that race, even though he's about three times the price. Yeah, look at he, he he's a great one performer, Nick. Um, you know. Say last year he had a fantastic year. Uh, you know, won a Grade One at, at Leperstown and and ran well in you know in a, in a Gold Cup and that. But this year he he just he started off quite well in Punchestown and then went to the North uh, to Down Royal and kind of bombed out a bit and and, and did the same at, at Christmas. And um, to be fair to Gordon, he backed off him completely and. Uh, sent him to do a little bit of dressage and, and a little bit of retraining that way and uh, he's after to put on a heap of weight uh, he's he's done a few days schooling uh, at home and then he obviously he came over to Cheltenham at the, when we had the February sale and we schooled him uh, around the cross country course in Cheltenham and he took to the fences really really well um, so on the back of that I don't know whether he beats Delta Work but he's probably the horse there that could give him most to think about. 
uh, on any given day. And the fox hunters, you you were open for quite a long time, but I think you've been you've been locked down now, haven't you? Who's who who got there first? <laughs> uh, I, I I think I read Harry Durham's uh, Bob and Co. Um, he, he poor uh, David Maxwell uh, unfortunately got hurt uh, a few weeks ago and uh, got the call off Harry. So um, at the minute, that's that's the plan. Yeah, look at he's he's a horse that beat Bill away in Punchestown a few years ago in the Champion Hunter Chase and he has been a little bit unlucky one year uh, the third last he was going quite well in the in the, in the Fox Hunters when um, during Covid uh, I think Sean Bowen um, came off him at the third last and he seemed to be going quite well that year so look at his 12 now Harry has him uh, it's his first year he's fresh and well and I think Harry is happy with him yeah, he's a he's he's a bit of, he was a bit of a tear away, but God, if he could harness that energy, he's he's quite a classy horse, isn't he? Yeah, definitely, definitely has the class, um, you know. But um, it's going to be a, a kind of a strong enough renewal. I think David Christie yeah. is very strong, and there's a couple of horses. Henry de Bromhead has um, a couple of those older horses coming back. Uh, name has escaped me here, Nick. Um, there look at it, it could be it could be a nice a good renewal of the of the fox hunters this year and, and obviously bill away there the the, the the winner from last year so yeah it, it, it should be a good race again right i'm gonna have a look i'm gonna have to look it up for you hang on um uh, uh, chris's dream chris's dream that's him well done well done um yeah so he's i think he's he's back and qualified for it so um, you know he's he was a very classy horse in his day as well. So he he you know you have to bring him into the mix as well. And finally, Jamie, we'll we'll leave where we started. Uh, when you look at this year's sales catalogue on Thursday, where's the next Brave Man's Game Love Envoy going to come from? What's what's smacking you between the eyeballs at the moment? Uh, look, at it, to be honest, Nick, uh, we, we we've about fourteen entries at the minute. Um up online and basically look at we'll, we'll wait till uh, so- Sunday after the point of points and we'll we'll see what comes in and um, but like we it's, it's a sale that can just give you like when it can give you the likes of Jerry Callum Brave Man's Game Love Envoy like Love Envoy was, was bought for 38,000 and you know look where she's got to so you know there's we try to keep it as tight as we can. We we only allow, um, you know, four-year-old winners, maybe placed horses and, and five-year-olds that win first time. So, you know, we're trying to pick um, the best horses that will give purchasers a chance of getting the likes of a Jerry Cologne, Brave Man's Game, a Love Envoy, you know, and even not at our festival sale, but the likes of um, Envoy Allen, Fiona, you know, those horses that can go back and, and, and win a champion bumper after being bought in, in these boutique sales. But um, it's a very exciting time and, and um, it's, it's, it's a great industry be, to be a part of um, and it makes the festival, I think, even better having the festival sale there. All right, that was Jamie Codd. And I suppose the one nice little nugget out of there, Lee, is that Jamie Codd looks as though he might be charged with delivering Harry Derham, a Cheltenham Festival winner in his first season with the occasionally wayward but very talented Bob & Co. Maxwell injured, off, Jamie Codd on.
That'll 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 raise a few eyebrows, won't it? It is a signal of intent uh, from from Harry Derham, um, who has made a spectacular start um, to his training career. I mean, we we we, we know you look down um, the 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 sports history books, Nick and Paul Nichols as a schooling ground for future trainers has been an incredible source of, of, of talent. You look at Dan Skelton, Harry Fry and others. And well, Harry Derham is, is following in uh, in their lead. He has already had seven winners this season, had a good Saturday winner at Newbury, um, just gone. And he has chances of a of a first festival winner this season. And so booking Jamie Codd certainly doesn't detract from his chances. I mean that is a real coup, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah, and I just had a, I just had a little look to see what price the horse was, and I suspect word might have already got out, got out because he was a bit shorter than I expected. Yeah, and there are we we know Nick that in those three amateur rider races, the National Hunt Chase, the Footwoman Camille, and the Hunter Chase, there are three, four, five jockeys whose uh, whose reputation prowess is such that there is always a clamour for their services. Now, generally, they are attached to to big yards, often Gornelli's yard or Willie Mullins yard, and therefore they're not available to the open market, if you like. Um, on this occasion, Jamie Codd was available, and you would be very surprised if he didn't have, uh, hadn't had more options in that race. So the fact he's riding for Harry Derham on Bubbaco must be big to get that horse's chances. And the other key point is the Galvin Delta work clash, isn't it? And I, I, to my eye, that's just a that's going to almost come down to ground. I, it, Galvin's as good a horse as Delta work now, and he's obviously schooled very well. If it's on the on the better side on the cross country, still, I think he's going to have the edge over Delta work. If it's on the softer side, I'd say it would be the other way around. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think that was the point that Eddie O'Leary was making on the on the pod, um, Nick, yesterday. That it probably does all come down. To ground and the ground remains a fascinating talking point as we approach the festival because I don't think we're still sure what we're going to get on Tuesday. It's changed completely in recent days from having been at one point looking like a largely dry forecast into the festival. That's no longer the case now. Um, significant rain expected, I think, on the Monday before the festival um, at the moment. So it, it, it could well be that we get softer ground than certainly been anticipated a couple of weeks or so ago and if that rain does come then even at evens 11 to 10 delta work probably looks a good price at the moment yeah uh, we're about to speak to paul nichols lee are there any particular questions that you would like me to ask the champion trainer well that's very sweet of you to to give me that um option uh nick yeah two things i think would, would be interesting uh one is i see that this morning paul has confirmed the entry off stage star in Wednesday's Brown Advisory Novices Chase. Now, uh, I am one of those, Nick, I will hold my hand up, who has backstage star each way for the Turner's Novices Chase on the Thursday. I did that straight after his race on Trials Day. I thought he was interesting each way candidate. My thinking at that point being that the race would likely fall apart as it had last season when only four horses ran, none of them trained in Britain. Now, at this stage... I think the Turner's novice chase on the Thursday could well end up as the hottest novice chase of the Cheltenham Festival. Bizarrely, Paul has made clear all along the view that on 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 ground with 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 digging it on, on proper jumping ground, 
the Turners would almost certainly be the aim. If the ground ended up on the good side, he might look at the Brown advisory. I would just be interested to know, Nick, if Paul, looking at the likely fields in the two races, might now be uh, using that as part of his thought process in terms of which race he decides stage star will run him. But if you could encourage him towards the Turners, that would be awfully kind of you. And the other thing was... There's been a clear move in the last 24, 48 hours for Ampere Epas in the Ballymore on Wednesday. That's a race that Ms. Allen has been the clear hot favourite for since his devastating success in the Challa Hurdle. Now, if you look on all the old comparison websites, Ampere Epas is two to one largely for the, the Ballymore. Now, clear favourite. You listen to preview night panels and they're all tipping Ampere Epas. I wonder um, if Paul uh, is surprised that Hermes Allen is no longer favourite for the Ballymore. And if, again, for someone like myself, who has backed Hermes Allen, he can provide some words of confidence to restore our faith at this difficult time. All right. Well, I'm going to put those questions to Paul, Paul Nichols very, very shortly. But there is, the, there is the small matter of Betfair Imperial Cup Day on, on Saturday, if it goes ahead. Uh, and Paul's with me now. Uh, Paul, I think, I think they're saying kind of 50-50 at the moment, aren't they, for, for Sandown Saturday? Yeah, I, th- I think they're hoping. I mean, they, they, they must. Uh, I mean, it's funny. Monday the ground was good, watered, and then a bit of rain Tuesday, Monday night to Tuesday, and as you know, it was very soft on Tuesday, and they've had plenty of rain and snow since, so it's got quite wet. I think Andrew's hoping it'll be sort of dry the next, not too bad the next few days. So yeah, let's hope it's on. Uh, and you've got an absolute stack of entries. You've got three in the Betfair Imperial Cup at the moment. Are they all going to run? No, only ICO. Um, uh, the other two don't, don't. You need good ground, so they'll wait for later on. ICO would love soft ground. He was always going to be our number one choice anyway for that because he, he loves soft ground. He had a prep run about six weeks ago, haven't been off a year, and ran very well. So yeah, he's the one for the race. Okay, and the EBF finals, a race that you've had a lot of success in. You won it last year. What are you going to run in there? I think I'm going to run all three. Um, uh, Henry the Second, we qualified him uh, at Warwick two weeks ago. It was always a plan to go there, make sure we we're in the first four, and then go for this race. And of course, he won the Grade Two there in in December, so he likes the track. He loves soft ground. Hugo's new horse. There had been a little bit of a doubt about him earlier in the week because for some reason he had an infection in the foot and was lame, but he's, he's sound as a pound now. He worked well this morning, so he's going to run as well. Always been his target. He's won his last four and Twin Power. Um, he, he he's won at Sandown about six weeks ago, and then nearly won a second. Home was only been ahead. So three really nice horses in what will be a competitive race. And you've got a nice mare called Larchmont Lass in the bumper. Is is it going to be okay for her to run? Well, yeah, she runs. Um, the ground was a bit of an unknown in that. She'd only ever run on faster ground, but that's just been the circumstance of what the ground was asking when she ran in at Wincanton. With a pedigree, I'd say that she'll she'll get the trip and be fine in it. But is is an unknown. But she's definitely going to run. All right. Well, then there's plenty to look forward to next week for you. I'm just looking at the uh, looking at the weather forecast. What would you What would you ideally like to happen between now and, and Tuesday? Because a lot of your horses want different types of ground. And if it was good to soft the first two days, that would suit us really well. I mean, the the main ones, Tamaros and uh, Hermes Allen, you know, they they they'd go on any ground really. Good to soft would suit everybody, I presume, and looks like it's going to be that way. I haven't really seen the update Monday, Tuesday forecast and then the end of the week wouldn't mind um you, you know if it was look to be honest if it was good to soft all week it would suit everything and everybody that's what we'd all like i, su- I suppose you know not making any excuses with the ground just like friday Braveman's game wouldn't want to run wouldn't want to see a nutritional bottomless ground gold cup where it's just a slog and i don't think looking at the forecast it will be 
couple of questions that Lee was asking before uh, before you came on the line there. He, he, talking about Stage Star and the entries uh, and the, in the Brown Advisory confirmed as well as in the in the Turners. Uh, what, what are you thinking at the moment? I think almost certain. If there's a bit of moisture in the ground, you go in the Turners. I, you know, it's a bit of an unknown again, three miles, especially if the ground's on the easier side. And I think the Turners track suits him better. It's a bit more test of stamina uh, over two and a half. It's a good race, um, but that's probably where we'll go. And, and do you think he's do you think he's good enough to win a, a Grade One chase? Well, he needs to improve, I suppose, to be mighty popper on all known form. But he, he's just—he has just been progressive this year, and he was very, very good the last day, carrying twelve stone, and the horse that was second ran very well since. So, yeah, look, he's improving, but he needs to improve. You and, know, you need to be a near one sixty horse, I'd say, to be winning these races. And the the other question Lee was asking was about Hermes Allen. Uh, he retaining faith. I I think he's the, the likeliest winner of the race. A lot of money's come for Willie Mullins and Pere Pass, who's been very impressive himself. How how do you how do you read this? Well, it's, it's a job to ever judge him because at home he doesn't show you much, as we've said before. He's actually schooling next lot. He's had his prep. He's had an away day. Looks great. But he, he he's been progressive this season. Um, the challenge forms worked out well, but he's got to take that form to the next level. But he might well do. He's you know he's a relentless galloper and he jumps well. And and Brave Man's game we've spoken about plenty on this on this podcast and and elsewhere. You've seen him. You've seen him school uh, this week. Was he? Did he school this morning? Yeah, Harry just schooled him this morning, and he was electric. He, he he's got such a great jump. He's so athletic in that school for a big horse. Um, he looks fantastic. I don't think he ever looked like this ever last season. I was never happy with him in the spring. He always looked light and shelly, and we're always backing off him. I just said to Harry, I mean, all the work we've done with him, he always looks fat. He looks that big and well, which is how we want him. So yeah, I'm very happy with him. All right, that's that's a, a fantastic vote of confidence, uh, and just just horses that are really beginning to to blossom now. I, I realise with this cold weather, it's quite quite tricky, but horses that are beginning to bloom at the right time. Who's really getting there just when they when they need to? Well, I think most of them look good in their coats. That's the most important thing. You don't want them looking good in the coats. Stage, Stage Star has been behind the others, funny enough, horses, but he just looked like his coat's coming good and he looks well um, and Tamaris looks fantastic uh, Il Rodito just scored him he looks well so I'm happy with where the whole team are really in the way in terms of their fitness their preparation and the way they look at their coat and, and just looking at all the, all the handicappers is there one way you think well I've got a bit up my sleeve here I've got a little bit of an edge most of them I think are pretty well exposed I do wonder if Il Rodito hasn't got more improvement in him He did. he's a six year old who's going the right way he went up £8 for winning on trial step I just think there's more in the tank with him so he'd probably be the only handicapper I say he's got a little bit, in, possibly a little bit more improvement. I'd say the others are probably right on their limit. The champion trainer Paul Nichols there, hopefully going quite a long way to assuaging the concerns of Lee Mottishead, from whom more in a few moments' time. First of all, though, we head to Riyadh. We are approaching the end of the season. Uh, Martin Kelly is with me. I say the end of the season, Martin, the end of the metropolitan season, I suppose we should say, before everything moves up country. Yeah, approaching the the back end of the season, we've got uh, two weeks left in Riyadh, three meetings this week and again three next week. And then the whole lot decamps out to the West Coast to TAFE and the race there uh, up in the mountains where it's uh, somewhat cooler through the summer months. Yes. So what have we got to to tidy up today? Some reflections on the Saudi Cup from Frankie Dettori this week. Yes, he's been reflecting on his, his rides through the, the course of the evening, first off on country grammar. Um, we saw watching the race, the horse was woefully outpaced for much of it. And he said at the quarter pole, he thought he was going to pick up no prize money. 
Uh, they paid down to 10th. He said, I didn't think I was going to be in the top 10, but the horse kept digging and digging. It picked up a massive, massive check for a good second. And just picking up what we were saying last week, the mild of furlong there, a little sharp for country grammar. He thinks the mild of quarter of the Dubai World Cup, once again, will really suit him. And it'd be no surprise to see that three-quarter length distance with uh, Panthalassa uh, being turned over. He said he was chinned in the derby. Bob Baffert said to nurse the speed of having a meltdown, but he got into a duel with the winner, got run out of it later on. He said that was a sour experience. Um, but he said that the Breeders' Cup sprint winner, Elite Power, took his breath away. And that, I think, just backs up what you were saying, Nick, of that being the, probably the, the most visually impressive performance of the evening. OK, we're expecting that rematch between Panthalassa and Country Grammar in the Dubai World Cup, as you were saying. And all the fun and games of the Saudi Cup might be over um, Martin, but there, there's some serious money on the table this weekend again. There is, yeah. I know we are coming to the back end of the season, but domestic Group 1 on Saturday. Two races, both worth over a million sterling. One of them for Arabians, one for local bred horses. The local bred race has got 18 runners in there. It's over a mile, and the runners include Medbus, who we saw winning round two of the uh, the Jockeys Challenge there uh, the Saturday before last under Joanna Mason. Just give me a little bit of a flavour of, of of racing in TAFE. I'm not sure many many people would know too much about it. No, um, it's actually been the, the track and the grandstand itself is based on the original model in Riyadh. So you'd look at the grandstand, I think it could be uh, Riyadh itself. But the, the, the track and the facility is very much similar uh, to Riyadh, but it's it's quite a, a high altitude. And if you do ever Google TAFE race course and look at the surrounding area, um, it's up in a, a beautiful, beautiful setting up in the... The mountains, I say, with it being a bit higher up there, given the, the hot temperatures they have, they're able to race throughout the summer months, albeit at a, at a cooler um, altitude. Thanks to Martin Kelly there, and also, of course, to Jamie Codd and Donald McCain and Paul Nichols, who I'm sure Lee will be pleased to have heard. Lee is back with me now. Lee, do you have a winner for me today? If you don't mind, I'm going to give you a tip for Saturday. Uh, 40 hours in advance, bit unusual, I know. I was over in uh, Oz two weeks ago. I watched the Lightning Stakes at Flemington, where Peter Moody's uh, Golden Eagle winner, I Wish I Win, ran a huge race to finish second over an inadequate five furlong. Steps up to six furlongs for the historic Newmarket Handicap at Flemington on Saturday morning, our time, 5.20 in the morning over here. He's a horse that Peter Moody is looking at uh, as a potential candidate for Royal Ascot this year with the Platinum Jubilee Stakes looking right up his street. I hope he gets to Royal Ascot and I believe with some confidence he'll win a good running of the New Market Handicap at 5.20 at Flemington on Saturday morning. I wish I win. And that's also what I'm thinking as I go into the Channel Festival. Yes, me too. Uh, fingers crossed for you. Fingers crossed for all of us. Thanks to Paul Nichols. Thanks to Donald McCain and thanks to Jamie Codd for their company today. Thank you as well. We will see you again tomorrow. That was Thursday, March the 9th. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.